Cause it's a pain A destiny child You know it will be rocking Cause it's flipping insane It's just a pain A destiny child More precious than a diamond On a platinum chain Somebody once told me The pick was gonna come back And it did We're back uh, this is the pick. I am your host, Colin Westman, and I am joined by John Otney and Sean Lemmy. I should have done a voice. I should have been, and John Otney. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of the blue Raja of the group. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't don't put yourself down like that. Well, so, I was I was thinking about this. When I was watching. I was like, these guys look kind of like us. <laughs> I, Sean's definitely I shoveler. Do they? Sean. He shovels well. I podcast well. well. He yeah. shovels well. I podcast very well. I just feel like, Colin, if we became superheroes, I would be more inclined to do a character with a questionable with accent. A questionable voice. Yeah. <laughs> that would be you. I feel like you're not furious, though. You're more of like, <sighs> you'd be like Mr. Exasperated. Or... Mr. Cranky. <laughs> Mr. Cranky. That's pretty good. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not furious. Not yet. (sighs) This is going to be rough. I just got over. (laughs) Well, I just got over COVID, and I feel like I've been fine for a few days, but then I started sounding like I just got over COVID today. So that's fun. Oh. (laughs) That's fun. Um, So, yeah, we're reviewing Mystery Men, a movie I kind of picked because I hadn't seen it before, and I feel like what if... My trends for my picks is just picking movies that Sean and John saw as kids, but I missed out on. And I've always been like, well, you guys have been talking about this movie for all these years. I guess I might as well see it. Um, But I also wanted to see this movie because Paul Rubens passed away this summer. He's in it. Wouldn't say it's his most iconic role, but it is memorable. (laughs) He is in it. Um, and then also, um, kind of sadly, it ended up being also, like, appropriate because, uh, the guy from Smash Mouth, Steve, Steve Harwell. Harwell, yeah. It's almost prophetic. It's so weird that you picked this and then it happened, like, yeah. maybe a day or two after I watched it. And I, yeah. I was, th- I was like literally watching Smash Mouth clips that weekend. Wow. And yeah. then just to hear that was just, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, cause yeah, the, the song all star ended up being included in a lot of movie soundtracks, but this was the first, uh, to the point where the mystery men are in the music video for all star. Can we talk about this music video for a second? We can. Do you guys like this music video? Also, uh, how the song is used in the movie would be important as well. Oh, that's sure. actually, yeah. We got We definitely got to talk about that. <laughs> this music video, I feel like it's almost pr- like pretty good, but I'm disappointed that there's so many shots of, like, Steve Harwell will, like, save s- someone, mm-hmm. and then, like, some actors dressed as the mystery <laughs> men will enter the scene, but you only see them from behind. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you couldn't get Hank Azaria for a couple days to just show up? And like, oh, my, like... There's some parts that are pretty good. Like I like when the other two guys in Smash Mouth are in the limo, and then they throw the bowling ball through it, and they have to react to it. That's mm-hmm. fun. 
because they're like uh, integrating scenes yeah. from the movie into. It's close to being great. It's, but yeah. I think it's just good. Yeah, it is just good. I mean, I had seen the music video first before the movie, and I actually thought that <laughs> um, the actors filmed uh, those scenes for the music video. Oh. But then, you know, when I went back and watched it after seeing the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, they definitely just spliced in <laughs> scenes from I mean, the movie. I yeah. mean, when Ben Stiller says, uh, there's potential here, I'm like, yeah, it's that be- totally works. It's believable, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they match. I got, I'll got. i give them credit. They match, like, the lighting, and like the, it looks like, you know, it's close. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Yeah. I wonder did I wonder who it's probably not. I mean, we know the director is a commercial guy. He didn't also direct the music video, did he? Pro- probably not. It's probably somebody I don't else. Know. I'm gonna I'm gonna give that a quick Google. Um, see if that information is available. All star song. Uh, All star music video. Wow! By Mick G. Wow! Yeah, I see that. <laughs> Wow, someone more famous than the director yeah, of the street. A movie. more successful film director. I guess. Wow. What is his, was Char- Charlie's Angels like his first big yeah. movie, McChee? Yeah, because so, that movie 100%. feels like a music video. <laughs> yeah, it's literally his first movie. So, yeah, I guess he was still doing music videos before that. Okay, cool. That's so weird, though. Because it seems like he could have directed Mystery Men, too, had it, it been does. a little later along. Yeah. I mean, that definitely made me think about that era, that the fact that this movie was directed by uh, Kinka Usher, who came from the world of commercials. And I feel like that's, like, during that period, the 90s, that was kind of, like, could be a, a stepping stone, was doing either commercials or music videos. Um, could be, like, your calling card to start directing big budget movies but i don't feel like that happens anymore now they just pluck people who made uh really like low budget indie movies and then hand them millions of dollars which i i don't know which is better i think both is kind of a crapshoot i guess yeah the funniest thing about kinka usher is that according to imdb trivia um, he talked to Hank Azaria during production, uh, saying, I'm going back to commercials when this is done. I've had enough. I'd much rather do my cool little one minute shorts that I make than deal with all this nonsense. <laughs> does, uh, and does that's what he did. Easier. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, he his next most famous thing is he did a Bridgestone ad for the twenty eleven Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I read that he also directed some Got Milk ads from the 90s, as well as some of the uh, famous Chihuahua Taco Bell ads. Yeah. I mean, those Got Milk ads, that was like the pipeline to making huge movies. (laughs) Those commercials were good, though. That's Michael Bay's big claim to fame. Did he? He did the Got Got Milk ad where the guy has a mouthful of peanut butter, so he can't say Aaron Burr. Uh, Is he also... Budweiser frogs. Is Michael Bay also Budweiser frogs? That's a I'm gonna, great I'm gonna find out it's like Christopher Nolan or something crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's of it's someone of note. Um, who direct? Um, there's a lot of googling right up right up top here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even done little picks yet. Commercial frogs. This is interesting to me. Oh no, it was Gore yeah. Verbinski. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> See, so many of these guys, but you look at those 90s commercials back, you know, stuff shot on film and it's just very mm-hmm. dynamic. People cared yeah. back then. I learned who Clive Owen was because he was in those like BMW like series of short films. Not even the first time we've talked about those (laughs) on this podcast. Oh really? Well then I won't say anymore. No, no, no. But I just because it came up when we talked about uh, Frankenheimer, John Frankenheimer, because like they got in an all star like a murderer's row of directors to direct those shorts. John Frankenheimer did one of them. Bring it back. Bring back super cinematic commercials. Though, you know, sometimes you hear about, like, guys, like, who's the the Moneyball guy? I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but... Bennett Miller? Yeah, I heard his whole thing, because we were like, where did you go? He's like, I, I just direct commercials. I do, you know, I do other <laughs> shit. Yeah. But, like, I feel like you never hear about them, or there's ones that never, like, stand out anymore. I don't know if they're just not putting the same kind of money into commercials, or... Probably... Because now commercials, I mean, like you, like you got to make this thirty-second uh, commercial that goes in front of a YouTube video. <laughs> they're not as they're, they're not as precious. They're not quite as special as they were, like in the nineties. So it is a little different. Uh, yeah, dude. Okay, we got your little picks. All right. Um. So for my little pick, I think I am gonna gonna do another tribute to Paul Rubens (laughs) because I did end up seeing Pee-wee's Big Adventure uh, on the big screen a few weeks ago. It was shortly after he died. Um, Had not seen it since I was, I think, 12 years old. (laughs) It was mine and John's first uh, one-on-one sleepover. so one of John's very early picks, I would say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Didn't didn't really remember how much I liked it, um, but I remember liking it. Um, and it was just like a lot of fun to see with an audience, um, especially kind of after seeing Barbie uh, and just like getting to experience that feeling of just laughing like nonstop in a theater with people who are just like very on board with the vibe of the movie um because peewee like <laughs> he has a very specific shtick uh it's hard to describe but he's just like you know he's very chaotic he's a big kid um and he's kind of an asshole too. <laughs> um and yeah, I don't know. It's just great. It's it's very much like a sketch movie. Um, I mean, kind of unsurprising that Paul Rubens kind of wrote it with Phil Hartman, and they both kind of came from like doing sketch the Groundlings and stuff. Um, just like a lot of memorable scenes. Um, and, what was one of your favorite jokes this time around? Um, for some reason, the one that really sticks out to me is when Pee-wee's in drag with that one guy who's like a murderer. Uh, and who like just... pulled, yeah, he's got a bad temper, he like pulled a tag off of a mattress. <laughs> That's right. He's That's very, what he says. He's <laughs> very seriously uh, explaining how he did that. I mean, I do, I do like it whenever Pee-wee like leans into him being a bad boy when he's like, you wouldn't understand me, Dottie. There are things about me that you'll never understand. <laughs> like that's always fun. Um, yeah. Just 
watched a lot of Gazelle. I guess I didn't really remember like the whole them making a movie about his life being like the finale to the movie, uh, which was which was pretty fun, and just like the way the movie just kind of like unravels and breaks the fourth wall in that way in addition to having like a whole big like Hollywood backlot chase is all just like so bananas and just incredibly fun yeah dude twist his sister <laughs> and twist his sisters in it. <laughs> yeah I think I saw you watch it and I immediately was like oh I gotta watch it now I think uh, the movie that gets made about his life was my uh, I mean that's such a good part of the movie but that was my favorite part this 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 time around James Brolin as as Agent PW yeah. <laughs> and he's got like a super like futuristic motorcycle that's supposed to be the the bike he fights ninjas. and then of course yeah he fights ninjas that's like that's like the first scene of the movie <laughs> it's like I gotta let the you know whatever the the L nine cool down and he fights ninjas and then uh, Pee Wee's the bellhop at the hotel. Beijing, Mr. Herman, Mr. Herman. <laughs> Can't stop looking at the screen. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, how about one of your guys? Okay, I'll go. Um, I guess I'll go with that podcast I've been listening to lately, Disgraceland. Uh, which I got into because I was like listening to some Misfits, and I was like, "Is there like a good like documentary about the Misfits?" And I couldn't find anything. And then I was looking around on Reddit, and someone's like, "You should check out their episode of Disgraceland." I'm like, "I don't know what that is," <laughs> and it's described as like a um, a true crime rock and roll podcast, but it's really more of just like every episode is they take a band or an artist, and then they talk about like all the bad shit they did in their whole career. So, like, there's ones, like, the Ramones never did anything that bad, but they'll talk about, you know, anytime they ever got into trouble or arrested or whatever. And then there's ones where they'll, they will get into fucked up shit, like, they'll have, like, a Gigi Allen episode, or Charles Manson has an episode, because, you know, we all love his music so much. It's so classic. I was just listening to the Ozzy Osbourne uh, episode today, and that's, that's pretty funny, just because, I mean... It's funny now. I mean, it would be funny if he died. And there's parts of it that aren't funny, like Randy Rhodes dying in a uh, plane crash. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. But just because, like, he was always getting to so many antics, like pissing on the Alamo. Connection to Pee Wee. There we go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's great. It's uh, this guy, this musician uh, named Jake Brennan. He does, like, a lot of, like, uh, music for it. So it's very, like, atmospheric. Kind of feels like. Uh, he does it all by himself, so it's kind of like a radio play almost. You know, there's like sound effects and, and all sorts of stuff. And he's been doing things since 2018. And I've just been catching up with the back catalog. I think right now he's doing Wu Tang Clan. Uh, but, you know, there's modern artists, there's older artists, all sorts of stuff. So if you're into like rock and roll, and if you, if you, if you don't mind having your rock stars being taken down a peg and hearing all the horrible stuff they did, <laughs> check it out for sure. So, um, how long are episodes of this? Podcast? Oh, they're actually pretty short. Usually, they're more like forty minutes, which I think is. Wow. I feel like it's too short, but I feel like I get it if you're one guy, and you know he's definitely uh, writes it in a very punchy way. Definitely, right? You, you can tell he's reading off of, like the script that he's been. I don't know, just making fun. <laughs> like a, it's like it's almost like he's reading an essay or something. Uh, 
But I, I'm, I'm fine with it. But I, I will find, like, I'll, I'll listen to, like, a lot in one day. You know, I'll listen to it at work or whatever. Uh, and the the artwork for it is uh, Zombie Elvis. So that, that definitely got my attention. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. So, yeah. That there you go. can be the villain of Mystery Men, too, after Casanova Frankenstein. Zombie yeah. Elvis. <laughs> Elvis. Yeah, dude. Like, his pelvis, like, comes detached. <laughs> oh, there goes my pelvis. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> All right, Sean, what do you got? He sounds like he's just very old. <laughs> well, he would be. <laughs> you know, he's dead. It's, that's an interesting question. If 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 you're if you've been a zombie for a long time, do you age? I guess you decay. Mummies. I mean, yeah, you, you become skeleton eventually. Um. That's not in any way related to my little pick, um, which is an album called Midair by uh, Romy, a.k.a. Romy Madly Croft from The XX. Uh, this is her first um, debut uh, uh, freshman, whatever you want to call. What do you call the, someone's first album? Her first album. Uh, yeah, debut. Yeah. <laughs> Debut? Yeah, yeah. I so know. how come you, t- I, you I call mean, the second album the sophomore? You do. You made me think about that. I'm like, why Why don't people call it the freshman album? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. Uh, I mean, you could start is... calling that if you want to be some sort <laughs> well, of trendsetter. This is the freshman use of the word in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she's been working on this, I think, since the lockdown started i believe one of the uh, the motivations for it was to uh was her missing uh being able to go to nightclubs uh because this is uh an extremely uh late night dance party-esque album uh it's i it definitely reminds me of uh daft punk uh or or any other sort of um i guess like trance dance pop uh, accessible music like that. Um, this is not like the really intense rave music that you can really only listen to at a rave. Uh, this is a delightful little album I've had playing nonstop since it came out last Friday. Uh, it's basically the only thing I listen to. Uh, well, this is this is <laughs> this is September 11th. Never forget. Uh, so I guess that's been like four days of nonstop listening to this album. Uh, and I really like it. I mean, of course I really like it cause, uh, I'm a huge fan of the XX unlike Colin. And I know, uh, I also like Jamie XX's, uh, solo stuff. So, uh, I, I kind of was expecting to like what Roby did too. Uh, Oliver Slim stuff is whatever. Uh, that's not his fault. You know, everyone's doing their best. Um, I think it's really good. Uh, it's it's really gay. It's also sort of like her uh, like coming out and talking about um, her relationship with her wife, uh, who she really really loves, uh, and that's great. Uh, nothing wrong with feel good dance music. Um, so I recommend people check out Midair by Romy if they are looking for a dancey good time. All right, cool. 
Uh, so mystery men. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys both see this movie in theaters? Um, I don't know if we saw it together, but yeah, I think so. Yeah, I wasn't asking specifically together. Did see it, uh. and I've I've shared this story with you guys before, but mm-hmm. I wanted to see this. My brother wanted to see the Iron Giant that came out on the same day. I want to say it was like mm. August of '99, um. and so I went with my stepdad to Mystery Men, and my uh, my mom took my brother to Iron Giant. And then I remember us both walking out because they got out close to you around the same time, and they're going, "Oh my god, you guys made a huge mistake." <laughs> and I'm, I, I, I didn't say it, but I remember thinking, "Huh." I don't think so. <laughs> but then I remember my stepdad being like, yeah, it wasn't very good. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I feel like I've been defensive of this movie ever since. Because I liked it the first time yeah. I saw it. And I, you know what? I watched it for this. I still like it. I think it's funny. We'll get into it. But like, I think the jokes work. Mm-hmm. And I like how weird it looks. Actually, it looks way weirder than I remember. Yeah. Like the opening <laughs> shot has like it's like steampunk blimps or something yeah, above the city. It's almost like the start of Blade Runner. I thought I read somewhere that it said like it reused some Batman Forever sets. I'm not sure <laughs> that, if that's true. That's, okay. So I was definitely thinking this has Joel Schumacher Batman vibes. Sure. And a little bit of Super Mario vibes. This yeah. is, and it's 1999. This is an extremely the pick movie. It is. We love those like uh like elaborate set design created like, <laughs> like futurist, futuristic like yeah. <laughs> that too, yeah. <laughs> Dystopian. But I I like I guess worlds. was it just because like that was the landscape of superhero movies in the 90s where it's like well it's a superhero movie it better look like it's like MC Escher or some weird abstract <laughs> avant-garde set. Yeah. I mean they, they Nobody wants grounded superheroes. <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean I I definitely kind of see this as sort of a parody of superhero movies but it kind of felt like at the time really the only big superhero movies in the 90s were the batman movies so that's like all they could really <laughs> like satire yeah before i, I wanted to get into this oh, well i don't know how much if you want to do background you want to do some background i i got i got a lot i want to say Colin. okay um <laughs> I, I'd love to let you do that. As I mentioned, I am getting over COVID and can't talk that well. But it's okay. got a little bit of background. Because this is, uh, unbeknownst to me before watching this, actually based on comic books. Um, but the weird thing is it's based on this comic book created by Bob Burden called The Flaming Carrot. Uh, which is kind of like a quirky... Uh, take on the superhero genre. It was a dark horse comic. Um, but they didn't want to make the flaming carrot into a movie because like, they couldn't really create him with the CGI at the time because he is literally <laughs> just like a carrot guy who has like a flaming head. Um, but in his comics, there is this team of superheroes called the Mystery Men, and that's where like all of these characters come from. Uh, the Shoveler, Blue Raja, Mr. Furious, all that stuff. Um, 
couldn't really find much about those characters. Um, and also, to be honest, didn't care that much. Because <laughs> like, is it really that interesting for us to do the background on another comic book movie adaptation? I don't know. We haven't even done that many on this podcast, but I still don't care that much. Um, I guess the movie was, like, originally offered to Ben Stiller to direct um, and and write, or I, I guess rewrite the script that they already had, um, but he didn't want to do it because he thought it was too big of an undertaking. Um, I guess he would have just been coming off directing The Cable Guy at this point. Um, so then they did hire this director, Kinka Usher, to direct. He had only directed... Uh, commercials at the time um and then i think after janine garofalo signed on to do the movie she then convinced ben stiller to star in it or at least like just be in it i think he was originally supposed to be blue raja but then he was like i'm sick of playing nerds i want to be mr <laughs> furious so that's so hard that to part. imagine <laughs> It, ben, ben Stiller uh, as the Blue Raja. Yeah, he doesn't. It almost seems tailor made. Not maybe not tailor made, but like <laughs> Hank Azaria. I, but just because I mean, like he's a guy notable for doing lots of funny voices on a cartoon show, including you know, an Indian guy. Did you did you guys catch that? There's a brief moment where you hear a radio, like a newsman on a radio, that's doing the Apu voice, and it's Hank Azaria. I didn't know. Pulling double duty. Very brief vocal cameo where he's yeah. doing not one but two questionable <laughs> accents. Uh, yeah. Um, don't think I have anything else to add except for that. I mean, you were talking about how it opened on the same day as The Iron Giant. Um, it also opened on the same day as The Sixth Sense. Uh, wow. So that explains why this movie was a a big bomb. Although to me, as a 10-year-old in 1999, this seemed like the hottest movie around because <laughs> literally everyone I knew wanted to see it. Um, yeah, just because it, like, it had that like <laughs> appeal of seeming like it's kind of for kids, but it's also like kind of edgy. So it's like, yeah, what, what 10-year-old wouldn't want to see it? <laughs> Wow, I just pulled up the um, the box office for August 6, 1999 for that day. I guess I probably wouldn't want to do the day. I wonder if I can do the weekend. Well, I guess I could just do the day. Did you look this up at, at all, Colin? I did not. I, I just knew that those other movies opened yeah. up the same weekend. Well, I didn't realize, did Iron Giant do bad? I didn't. I guess it must have. It didn't <laughs> open it did it pretty good. Because I'm looking at the top ten here. Unless it like had, had it was like maybe in limited release. I don't know what's going on mm. here, but Iron Giant's at nine, and Mystery Men's at five. So both very bad. <laughs> yeah. Six Sense opened at one. Blair Witch Project, which I think had uh, been open for like almost a month. That's what I. Two. That's the thing I read is that it was originally going to be released like a few weeks earlier, but they moved it because of Blair Witch Project, and then it's still. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't escape <laughs> runaway brides at three thomas crown affair then mystery men deep blue sea inspector gadget which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in a movie theater 
<laughs> the Haunting, Iron Giant, and American Pie. Wow, a lot of movies that I'm I've seen. Mm-hmm. A lot of not good. Well, it's some some pretty good ones and some pretty not good ones. Me- memorable movies, at least. Absolutely memorable. Like <laughs> The Haunting is a bad movie, but I sure as hell remember that movie. <laughs> That was like I, I I feel like that was the first time I saw Owen Wilson in something and he gets decapitated. It's pretty dramatic. <laughs> um but yeah, I loved it. Sean, did you like it when you saw it? Oh yeah. That's good. Um uh, I, I I really struggled to remember what was important at the time. Except for All-Star. <laughs> uh, I think there's just a few more things. Well, All-Star, superheroes. You know something that I didn't think about? Kel being in a movie was kind of a big deal, probably yeah, for our generation. Nice. Yeah. yeah, see, I remember seeing him be like in this movie. He did. He even did a song for it where he raps. Oh, I didn't it's know that. A, it's in the closing credits. Is he um, trying to do like a Will Smith thing? Well, Will Smith raps in his movies, so I, I better do it, it too. It feels a little like that, yeah. And I just remember when I saw him in this movie at the time, I was like, oh, he's going to be the big breakout, and he's going to leave Keenan behind. Uh, things didn't really go that way. You know, I will say, because I'm I'm going all over the place on this podcast. <laughs> sure. Um I th- personally thought Kel was pretty good. He doesn't really have very much to do, but I thought yeah. like he did pretty good with some of the dramatic stuff. Yeah. I like his little his little monologue about what it's like to feel invisible. I also think that character conceptually is pretty funny. <laughs> about like he's invisible but not but not he can't look at himself and no one else can look at him. It's I read that that other people are to the room. That flaming carrot guy you mentioned earlier, Bob Burden was it? Yep. Like, was on set, because this, it's not like the script was ever changing and kind of a nightmare. Like, they never yeah. had, and, and like, so he was there to like consult constantly. And I think he conceived this character pretty close to when they were making it, when he was drunk. And he thought it'd be really funny <laughs> if there's a guy who's invisible, but like, no, you just, you can't look at him. And I think that is a pretty funny thing to come up with when you're drunk. <laughs> All right. So the writer of this movie is Neil Cuthbert. Yeah. Uh, he has he's written uh, uh, he's one of the credited writers on Hocus Pocus oh okay uh, interesting but he has one other movie I think that he's the lone credited writer of and that came out in 2002 it's called The Adventures of Pluto Nash oh no <laughs> another John movie for some reason I haven't seen it but I, I very vividly remember the trailer <laughs> I yeah, still think seem, about it today. I remember you being like excited about this, <laughs> or just wanting to talk about it at least. I don't know. I don't know. If excited Twenty years right ago, <laughs> excited about Pluto. I wasn't. I was never a big Eddie Murphy fan. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're a big Jay Moore fan. <laughs> I love Jay Moore. <laughs> Jane Austen's Mafia. Mwah. I think that's a Jim Abraham's joint. Mm-hmm. I want that. I'm. I, this is all off the dome. No, that could. Maybe I just made up all of that. Maybe I dreamed all of that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you'd seen that movie. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess that's not. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. <laughs> that's um, where you're at. But it is kind of weird that, like, yeah, this movie was like written by a guy who, like, kind of know doesn't have Wikipedia, directed by a commercial guy. 
based on a very underground comic book, like, yeah. loosely. <laughs> Budget of $70 million. $70 million? I didn't know that. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of effects. There's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in this it movie. It looks expensive. You know, you got there's a lot of CGI. There's a lot of really grotesque like body <laughs> torture or body horror type stuff. And then you got all like Tom Waits gadgets. And they got like a tank and there's all sorts of stuff. I'm excited to like talk about like each performance <laughs> each character okay i think that's probably the best way to go through this so i do want to bring up just because it is hap- at the beginning this is mm-hmm. this isn't like really like uh, i'm not trying to set up we need to go through the whole movie but i did read a fun fact that i enjoyed um so this movie opens up where there's like this weird gang of guys with goggles robbing like a bunch of old people i don't know i can't mm-hmm. remember if, if it was it's like, like an a- old people prom <laughs> and that, that was like uh, also that that really set the tone where it's like oh yeah this is way weirder than i remember <laughs> and tom waits is there like picking up ladies yeah um and uh, but it's Artie lang is the leader of this gang and the story mm-hmm. that i really liked is um his family went to go see this movie and they watched his scene and then they they went out into the lobby and called him, and they're like, "Are you in this uh, again? Or is there any, like, do we need to stick around for the rest of this?" <laughs> and he's like, "I guess not." And then they just left. <laughs> so, I just wanted to bring that up because it's the beginning, the very bizarre beginning of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also it's doing the you know the world building where you have all those establishing shots. You guys notice there's a lot of um, uh, Japanese writing. <laughs> I actually reason. didn't notice that. No. Yeah, I guess a little yeah. bit in the background. Yeah, for some reason, Champion City is a melting pot of English and Japanese. And, I, and that was another like Blade Runner-esque thing yeah. to me. I was like, why did... I guess just to make it seem different from our world. Sure. I, I it's mean, also yeah. really political because they're like, all crime's been solved, and yet the world still sucks. So like, what does that tell you? What does that tell you about street-level crime really being a problem? Maybe maybe society has some, some underlying issues that, uh, that street-level crime distracts from. Fucking Batman and his billions. So our, our trio, the, the three OG mystery men... Yeah, the mm-hmm. shoveler, Mister Furious, and Blue Raja show up to try to stop uh-huh. these guys. Let's talk about these guys. Uh, ben Stiller. All Mr. right, I have. Yeah, I I want to start with William H Macy. Okay, what is William H Macy doing in this movie? <laughs> He's hot, hot off every, of Fargo, every, man. Every everyone else in this movie <laughs> makes sense, right? But you look at William H Macy, you see Fargo, Air Force One, Boogie Nights, Magnolia comes out the same year. <laughs> Um, why is he in this? And also, why is he phoning in a performance? Like, he doesn't need to be in this movie at all if he doesn't want to be there. Oh, I mean, I think they needed someone very earnest. And even though his character in Fargo is very, like, deceitful, I do think he is kind of like an aw shucks kind of guy. So I think it, I think it makes sense casting wise. Why he did it, I don't know. I'm, cause it costs $70 million. (laughs) Seems like everybody was like, "Hey, this is a, this is a decent paycheck." So yeah, I I don't think there is any thought past like this is like some good money, and yeah, maybe this will be fun. And I'm, I'm a superhero. I have a shovel. I I think he's pretty good. You said phoning in. I think he's pretty good. I his monologue he, about egg salad is terrible. 
It's terrible. I, I liked it. <laughs> he, he he underplays everything, which works for some of the scenes. But I think, uh, like on the on the big scenes, like the like that monologue you're talking about, his underplaying it just makes it boring. I'm just like, get it over with. Ah oh, man, he's he's probably my favorite. I'm surprised. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Ben Stiller, Mr. Furious. It's funny that you said mm. that he was originally considered Blue Raja because Mr. Furious very much feels like the Seems... Ben Stiller archetype yeah. of like the kind of like aggressively annoying <laughs> guy. I lo- I love that yeah. Mr. Furious's power is just his rage. He's just <laughs> He's like because they always like pan up above him. And they'll yeah. like he'll like scratch at things. Like he doesn't have any particular strategy. No. I like that even, like, in my, when I was a kid, like, when he finally does freak out at the end of the movie, I was like, he's basically turned Super Saiyan. This is an incredible display of strength. <laughs> and when I'm watching it now, I was like, not, not really. <laughs> like, he does, like, jump down the staircase, which is, like, a pretty long leap. But he doesn't seem to have, like, super strength. He just, like, gets to be a, a slightly better fighter, I guess. And that's only at the very end of the movie. You know, I guess they could have actually given him powers because they do. Uh, the Invisible Kid does have powers in his right, and the moment. and the bowler. Yeah, I'm not really sure if that's her power or if that's like a magic bowling ball. <laughs> well, either, <laughs> there, either way, there's something supernatural going. There's on something, there. yeah. Okay, and then we got Blue Raja, which like. I mean, I guess this. You said this is one of the characters from the comic, right? Because mm-hmm. conceptually, they also go, he's very confusing. <laughs> we brought up Apu. Yeah. They they do go out of their way to point out that he is, uh, you know, a a British like white guy. <laughs> like that's the character but he's the, playing. I feel like the problem with it though is like there's that scene where the bowler is like, "So what's your deal? Why are you British?" But like she doesn't call him out for like is this like a pro colonialism thing like she doesn't qu- call it out for being like appropriation she just calls it out for like I don't get it so it's like oh yeah. this is the nineties people don't like understand that like this is not it's not okay to do this right now it's not okay to wear a turban talk like that um, I like the forks I don't really get any of the other parts of it but I love Hank Azaria yeah. he really kind of had a, like a run in the nineties with like. Birdcage and this and Godzilla, where I feel like he's popping up a lot, mm-hmm. and yeah. I feel like he's always fun. Um, you know, just a weird character. I love the scenes with his mom. I will say that whenever he breaks character around his mom, <laughs> and there's that scene where like she gives them like the silverware that she was hoping that he could use for his wedding. It's so <laughs> pathetic. And she's like, since that seems like it's really far away. <laughs> Yeah, I like that he's got his mom. I like William H. Macy's uh, wife, though I don't really know why. I can't remember why she doesn't leave him because he pretty much disobeys her the whole movie. <laughs> you know, I, I, was... I, I, just because just I remembered it, um, I got to give props to Kinka Usher's directing in some of these sequences. There's something that he does that I feel like no, most people would not do in, in, in this kind of scene. There's a scene where like uh, William H. Macy is telling his wife he's going to go out and you know she's mad at him and it's shot from like they're looking directly at the camera and like his hand will touch like you know the lens like he's touching her face and then it'll go like shot reverse shot and it'll be her looking directly at the camera and mm-hmm. like this is such like a like a 90s music video type <laughs> thing like handheld 
Like, this is a guy who has a lot of, like, oh, we got to do this shot. We got to do this shot. Hey, let's try this. Let's try that. I, I just wanted to point out that, like, there's some dynamic stuff going on in moments that maybe they don't need it, but I still – I kind of I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I, it was a little too much for me. I yeah. feel like the movie's a little, like, over-directed. Uh, or I'm just, like – Sometimes the comedy, I feel like, gets a little lost in him trying to make things, like, visually dynamic. Like, I, I do kind of feel like Ben Stiller would have directed this better, <laughs> seeing how he did, like, Zoolander a couple years later, which is, like, a big-budget, over-the-top comedy that, like, does these comedic set pieces really well. Yeah, but Zoolander is made as a comedy. This is this is an action. This is a comedy. I feel like this is a comedy, but I mean, sometimes it it maybe doesn't commit as much to it being a comedy as I I kind of wish it would. I guess. I'm not saying it's not a comedy, John. I'm just saying like its its ambitions are greater than just being a comedy. That that is true. Yeah, I think. Should we go through the rest of the Mystery Men real quick? Uh, okay. sure. The you, bowler. You could take your time powers. if you want, yeah. Okay. I like Janine Garofalo in this. Um, she's got a cool look. I don't remember her. You know, I do remember one thing that she thought was funny. I don't know if you guys caught this. There's a scene, I think it's her and Ben Stiller. They're walking out of somewhere, and they're saying, no, sabotage. I You say sabotage. I say sabotage. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I can't believe I missed that. That's it, so it's, funny. It's, it's definitely one of those things where it's like, you know, sometimes... Like, we did this a lot when we were making our McTrigger movie, where you're having, like, a fake conversation walking into the <laughs> <Yeah>. scene. <laughs> it had that vibe of, like, they just had to, like, okay, just do talking about something when you're leaving this place. Yeah. Because I know that they did, like, a fair amount of ad-libbing. Uh, and I do wonder if that was just some inside joke between them talking about that William Shatner <laughs> tape <laughs> that had been floating around at that point. I don't know. I'm sure it had been. I mean, it's funny she did so many Ben Stiller things in the 90s, right? Because she's in Reality Bites and The Cable Guy. I think she was and... on The Ben Stiller Show. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so there's a connection. But yeah, yeah um, she's, she just feels like so of the 90s that she just feels at home in a movie like this. <laughs> yeah. She's got a good energy for it, I think. I don't know if she had like that many funny lines, but I feel like... I guess her funny scene, though I this I don't know if this is actually funny because it's so frustrating. Is the scene where her and uh, Mr. Furious are trying to like pull the lever switches to save Captain uh, Amazing or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because that scene is just so like the character's a little almost a little too stupid for that scene. <laughs> I think that is the bravest scene in the movie. It is great. I I have. I think Captain Amazing is what I'm most excited to talk about. But we got to get through the rest of these mysteries. We touched on Invisible Boy a little bit. I accidentally called him Invisible Kid, like the horrible Metallica song. Um, <laughs> trust me, you look look up Invisible Never Kid. Heard it. Okay. It's off. It's off. It's on. Just so you know, call it. It's on. It's on Saint Anger. Oh, okay. So the drums sound like pots and pans, and like his voice is like cracking a lot. Of, it's really bad. Yeah. Uh, but I like Kel. He deserves more of a career, I think. Um, I, the yeah. thing is, like, we never really got to see him try to do much more. So we don't. I feel like even today, I don't really know what he can do. Hey, they're they're coming out with Good Burger too. That's true. That's true. I think he's. I think he's totally fine in this. 
he doesn't have much to do because his character doesn't even get to do anything till the end. <laughs> I feel like he's mostly just hanging out beside Spleen. A divisive character, pro- <laughs> pro- probably. I, I would say this is probably like where most critics wrote this movie off. Was, was so, Spleen. I will say, I am Spleen is not the, the type of character that I would normally like. Yeah. Um because he's gross and his power is gross and he does gross things <laughs> and gross things happen to him as well like he gets humped by a skunk um, that said I think Paul Rubens elevates this character beyond what is designed as a costume and what is written on the page I think he his uh, sort of plucky enthusiasm given the circumstances that character is experiencing. Gives him the most extreme lisp of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I find myself a fan of the spleen. <laughs> sort of. I mean, everything was stacked against him. He's not my favorite member of the team, but he's probably my second favorite member of the team. Wow. I think the only... Th- oh, yeah. The only thing I don't like about him is the warts on his face. I feel like that was too bad. I was going to say that, too. I I don't mind the funny, like, weird kind of 70s costume, but, like, yeah, yeah, his voice is too gross. I mean, that combined with his his weird voice, though I kind of like that. I mean, I wonder if Paul Rubens will, like, it seemed like Paul Rubens really liked to play gross guys when he got the chance. Like, remember when he's on 30 Rock and he was, like, that Baron with, like, the weird little arms or legs? I can't remember. I think he had weird little legs. I think that was it. I think he had both. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, can you guys make me really gross? Mm -hmm. Um, But, no, I I like his dynamic with the group where there's just this guy who goes around telling his story with his incredibly gross power who they don't want to include. Because we've all had that, like, someone in your life that you just can't seem to lose that's always somehow ends up in the group or or near Mm -hmm. the group. Um, So I appreciated that. Uh, I guess we could talk about the the Sphinx, too. He's kind of sort of, he's like the Professor X of the team, (laughs) West Studi. He's he's my favorite. Who uh, He's great. I thought I read was based on some just generic comic character that... Like no one has the rights to, so they just included. I don't know what the story is behind that, because like we don't really know what he can do. I guess he can actually cut guns in half with his mind yeah. because it happens. <laughs> I feel like there's also a funny line. I wrote it down here somewhere. I took. I didn't take very many notes, but I, I wrote one down because I thought it was funny. Um, something about him like shooting like uh, stinging foam into people's eyes <laughs> like they're just saying like all the powers they think he has he has a funny thing where like he says you know like oh you do this I can't even like Ben Stiller riffs on it at one point where he says something yeah, and then it's, it's the opposite if you if you can't control your anger your anger will control you <laughs> stuff like that yeah um, and I love that Ben Stiller throws that in his face he's like maybe I wasn't gonna say that <laughs> you don't know <laughs> I, I wish they had more scenes together because I also like in the training montage when he, he's like, and why do I have to wear watermelon on my feet? And he's like, I don't remember asking you to do that. That's I loved that joke. <laughs> Following that weird... Uh, I do think you you brought up a great point in your letterbox review, Sean, of that montage. Because <laughs> okay. I thought the so same the thing when I watched it. It's the only time All-Star is used in the movie. You, you, you do get to hear the whole thing at the credits. But other than that, 
all stars used within the movie during a training montage that mostly does not have music and then they fade in on the chorus of all star for one scene of three of the mystery men walking across hot coals not all of them just three of them so you can have spleen fart on it and it makes a little fireball and then it fades back out and they go back to doing costume making so the it's it's, a, it's an almost entirely musicless montage except for one basically like one setup of it like it's one shot it's so strange, but I wonder if they like had to use it contractually within the movie or something. Mm. Uh, and then they're like, "But these jokes are too good. We can't just have, <laughs> you can't just have them training without you hearing the jokes." Yeah. yeah, I feel like it might not even be the whole chorus of All Star. They might have like shortened it. I'll have to go back and watch. Yeah, they it did. Again. They definitely like, shortened. You're right. They shortened it. I remember that being yeah. weird. <laughs> it's. It's such I, a let, let me see what's movie. the what's the runtime of this movie? Uh, maybe they had more and they cut it down. That feel oh, this is a two hour movie. Yeah, Shit, no wonder little, people don't like this. It's a little. <laughs> the, credits, <laughs> the, yeah. the credits are long. Here's the other thing I noticed since we're talking about length and budget. Yeah, because uh, I think they might have run out of budget. Do you guys notice that you only see Casanova Frankenstein in his car or in his mansion? Like they go back to the mansion four times in this movie. <laughs> I could believe it. I mean, obviously he's in the prison it. too, but yeah, but you're like, yeah, like you're saying, yeah, he's pretty much stationary to a couple <laughs> sets. <laughs> the mystery men attack the mansion four times. Three times they attack the mansion and are thrown out of it, and they get to come back and attack it again. I think that's that's pro- yeah, that's probably a combination of budget and the fact that this thing was constantly being rewritten. It's like, no, no, that doesn't make sense. You got to do this. You got to do this. I don't know. I think, aside from it being long, I think it kind of, for me, hangs together, at least story-wise. It, yeah. it It's not like, a, I don't I'm say it's like a confusing movie. Maybe it. No. But yeah, I think you're and, right, Sean. I think and, there's, and there's some, pays there's some problems going on, and that's why it's, con- it's constructed <laughs> in the way it's constructed. Yeah. Well, guys, we got to talk about Cap Amazing. Yeah. I, I love this character. Actually, I have changed my mind. This is my favorite character in the movie. Lance Hunt slash Captain Amazing, Greg Kinnear. He shows up at the beginning, too, um, in his cool, like, superhero suit that's got, like, a bunch of, like, stickers from advertisers on it. I thought that was yeah, pretty like, smart. Like a like a NASCAR driver's jumpsuit. Yeah, it, that's what it looks like, exactly. And he's, like, a real hero. Um, you know, saves the day easily. But I love how he's got, like, his uh, his manager, too. Ricky J plays his manager. Because uh, in my letterbox review, I had to write down my favorite line of the movie when they're trying to like uh, find a way to, to to get him more popular again. So he's like, "I need a nemesis. What are some of my, how what are some of my old villains up to? What about Deathman? Deathman's dead." I thought that was a great joke. I gotta I gotta throw that out there. Ricky J also in Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, remember he's the guy. that's like it's a real film, Jack. <laughs> Even though it's like that shitty, like, like uh, James Bond thing or whatever. It's like stupid, you know, spy movie. Ah, Boogie Nights is so good. Um, there's also an early shot of um, Captain Amazing flying around on his jetpack that is like one of the laziest oh, depictions of an actor flying yeah, I've yeah. ever seen. It's so fun. Like, his legs are like kind of just like dangling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they couldn't even get. Uh, Greg Kinnear into the right Superman pose. They're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it was on purpose, but it made me laugh how like lazily he's flying around. 
Another one of my favorite jokes, and it does pertain to Captain Amazing, is when the Mystery Men are talking about Captain Amazing, um, like at their favorite diner, and they're like, mm-hmm. you know, I think you know he's Lance Hunt. You know, he's like, no, Lance Hunt wears glasses. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. great to make a riff on the classic Clark Kent Superman uh-huh. thing. <laughs> There's even that part later where they actually meet him, and he's like, "I'm actually Lance Hunt." It's like you are. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> it's just the fact that this person could exist and then you know fool people is insane. And the fact that he's gonna like use, I guess he's a what was he? Was he a, was he a, a lawyer? Yeah, right. Because he 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 is responsible in freeing Casanova Frankenstein. Right. So it shows. So he's not that great. He's you know he's a piece of shit. He's not a real hero. I don't know if he deserves the fate he gets. That's I. No I, one deserves that. <laughs> since we're just talking about all sorts of stuff, we got to talk yeah. about that then, right? That's mm-hmm. that's something that really scared me as a kid. And I, watching it even yeah. now as an adult, it's still pretty scary. <laughs> you. One of his, like, eyes just, like, goes, like, a foot off of his face. And it's, like, you can still see the eye when it turns back into, like, a practical uh, effect. And that grosses me out so much. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's this machine called the Defraculator, right? Which is supposed to, I don't know what, kill everybody, I guess? (laughs) I guess, you know, earlier I said, like, oh, you know, the, the story, it hangs together. But, like, actually, I don't think it does with, I don't know what Frankenstein's plan is. He's going to kill everybody yeah. for some reason because he's evil, I guess. And yeah, it fucking turns you inside out. I mean, the CGI isn't great, but it's it's effective for me. And then they, they you know, they cut up to, a, like, a horribly looking, like, uh, makeup effect or prosthetic once he's just burnt inside It's like out. a twisted face and his whole body is melted. You know, in a very uh, stressful scene where there's like there's lever switches and he's like, how many le- lever switches are there in total? There, there, there's seven! It's like, okay, is there like a reset on this thing? Can we just like... I, I, I think it's... it. I don't know. I'm conflicted about that scene because I feel like they got too dumb in that scene. <laughs> I feel like they could have punched that up a little I, bit. I, so here's the thing, though. Yeah. Like, the bowler is in the right because she flips the switch and then he's like, flip the switch. It's like, I just. And, like, yeah. she's <laughs> totally right to be like, do you want me to flip it again? Like, I, I sympathize with her. And I also, like I was saying before, I think this is the bravest choice the movie <laughs> makes. To have your heroes kill the superhero is like. I, like, I. And to. Like, there's nothing ambiguous about it, right? They kill him. Like, it's not the villain's fault at all. Like, he would have done it eventually, for sure. But they do it. And you're still supposed to like them the whole movie? And you, I think you do. I think it works. Um, It's an anxiety-inducing scene, but I, I respect it. I respect the hell out of it. <laughs> I respect it, too. It's pretty... Especially for a movie that, like, kind of on the surface seems like they're marketing to children to have one of the characters be murdered in one of the most gruesome ways I've ever seen in a film. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, that's just it. He's just dead. Yeah. And he's gone. Yeah. That's the end of his story. Also, if if you call, I actually, I, I, like, looked away from the screen just for a minute and missed it. That Casanova Frankenstein, like, falls into... I, I don't know the, the the belly of the defraculator, and it, he kind of gets like melted and torn apart when he falls. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we get to There's, see that again. I think the bowler also, like when she is putting her dad into it. Yeah. Like her face gets pulled just like for a second. But she's fine. But you get to see for a second what could have happened. <laughs> I, that's that's yeah. psycho fraculators pretty dangerous. Psych that's it. Psycho frac for some reason, whenever I hear that, I just imagine Tom White saying it. Because <laughs> I feel like I thought I read somewhere that like yeah, they had to like write it down on like his hands and like all this weird techno babble that he had to uh, psycho fraculator. Uh. I love Tom Waits. In this I've always been a huge fan of Tom Waits as an actor because he really is kind of like a not evil version of the Joker and how he talks and acts. <laughs> he's just some I, weird yeah, I, hobo. Uh, he's a great actor, mm-hmm. and he's. Not my favorite music. What did you? Yeah, he's, he's an acquired taste. What did you think of his gadgets? Were they too silly? Um, I wish they actually had more of them. Personally, <laughs> so let's see. There's the um, one. Yeah, there's the one that shrinks your clothes. Yeah, which they use. Which also weirdly, like that's weirdly done, right? Because it, it's they do it like they're gonna do a sexy scene, but it actually they just do the characters reacting as if something sexy is happening off. off camera yeah which is kind of tasteful but also if you're going to be tasteful why even do this i don't think anyone knows john <laughs> i don't think there maybe was, it was the a time too, to consider that maybe it's a little too uh pg-13 or, or whatever and this is probably pg-13 yeah definitely. pg-13 yeah. yeah so there was also like a, a hurricane and a can or something a like tornado a tornado yeah. and a can which they only use on spleen, if I remember correctly. I, I think they must use it. There's a really, on- there's a really confusing weapon that makes you like argue with each other. <laughs> what was that? The one? blame thrower. The blame thrower. It's, it's a pun on flame. One where they came up with a good name, but not like the implication of like. So this can like actually control your mind. <laughs> but we did get to see CeeLo Green. Yeah, that was one of those cameos result. that I definitely didn't notice. You know, back in the day, because I didn't know who he was pre Narls barkley because he uh what was his group Cause, yeah the goody mob because in this the name of their gang is the not so goody mob because <laughs> it's this <laughs> themed gangs kind of like the warriors there's the yeah. there's the not yeah. so goody i like the one that's like old man gangsters <laughs> you're like dick tracy uh, did guys you, did you, yeah did you catch that the the leader of them is called big tobacco oh i yeah, did yeah, that was really that good, was good. <laughs> i like those guys um the disco guys. One, I got to talk about uh, well, they're, the disco they're guys. They're in it a bunch. Yeah, they're in it a disco bunch. Boys. But do we get all the? Do we, is there any gadgets? Any serious gadgets we're missing? There's those three. Yeah, I think you're right, Sean. I think we need more gadgets. I can't even remember any other ones. <laughs> I mean, they, they overhaul that like bus. They have that, that bus have. that has a magnet, so all their guns. But like you said, they didn't necessarily need that because the Sphinx could have also just chopped all those guns in half. They really should have. He, he should have been like, I used this uh, weird wire. So they, they needed an explanation for that. Because now, yeah, you're right. It's like, so he can cut guns in half. Because he comes with them, right? Yeah, yeah, he's there. So, like, why aren't you using all the powers that you supposedly have? You you know what? Also, just tangentially related to gadgets, costumes. They make a point of having the characters sew new costumes. Yeah. I would... Th- I would say every single character gets a worse costume than the one they start with. I don't like any of the new costumes. Some of them are kind of hard to even notice what's different. Um, like uh, Mr. Furious has now has like a flame pattern on his sleeves. 
Shoveler's is definitely worse. His, his, it's just his regular outfit, but now it's like chrome. <laughs> he he looks like uh, like if you got like you know you'd buy like Batman toys and they'd be like Arctic Batman. Like <laughs> yeah, I don't want I this, but it's the one they have. He's like, oh shit, I got Arctic Shoveler. I guess that's all they have. Yeah, you're right. I think I'm with you on that, Sean. I don't think they're because they're all too shiny and it just looks way worse. They're way too shiny, but it almost makes them look cheaper. Um, I will also say, just because I mainly I mainly have beef with the montage scene, um, the Sphinx Sphinx teaches everyone new skills that they don't use throughout the movie. Um, he teaches Shoveler how to f- fight with not his shovel, and he exclusively fights with a shovel for the rest of the movie. <laughs> the big reveal is he has a little um like a little hand shovel, like a like for the final battle. But that's still fighting with a shovel. That's not his knees or, or his hands or his head, like. Like Sphinx is trying to teach him, he teaches Blue Raja um, to uh, secretly f- throw forks, like to hide the hide that he's throwing forks, which he does use to help uh, Mister Furious climb the staircase at the end of the movie, but he doesn't need to. <laughs> They're just doing that for me because I remember. Um, and then he teaches them to walk across coals and and make costumes, which I've already laid down my beefs with those. That said, I think I still think the Sphinx is really funny. He is funny. What's the underrated? Yeah, I mean, he's not someone you ever. He he always plays stoic, but he never gets to play stoic yeah. for comedy. So you guys have never seen Last of the Mohicans, right? No, I haven't. I have not seen it. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, really good. I mean, you've seen Dancing with the Wolves, though. You I have. He's good. Yeah, I know he's good. He's good in this. This is best. He should have got an Oscar nomination. <laughs> yeah. Best supporting actor nomination. We've we've talked about the 1999 best supporting actor nomination multiple times. <laughs> I think we need to there. take out Michael Caine and put in West Duty. <laughs> Cider House rules. Whatever. This makes so much fun here. Cider House sucks. Cider House. I think it does suck. <laughs> or, I might even say drools because it's fucking boring, dude. Whoa. <laughs> Another performance that I think maybe you could have could have also gotten an Oscar nomination. I like Eddie Izzard in this movie. He's having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I really love that scene where Eddie Izzard is just on the um the dance floor. You know, it just I think it's just the Bee Gees, but doing doing a little dance. And is so offended when, when people defame disco in any way. It's a one-dimensional character, but I, I just feel like Eddie is just mm-hmm. having fun. Yeah. So, is is the name Casanova Frankenstein a reference to disco in some way? Um, I don't understand why Casanova Frankenstein has disco has a disco gang. I th- I just thought I read that Bob Burden said that was just a random character from the Flaming Carrot comic universe. Like it's not even like the character; it's just someone's name, and they, like they, they like someone just pulled the name out of the comic. <laughs> I don't think there's That's actually. A good name. Yeah, you're thinking about it too much, Sean. You're trying to draw connections, but they're not there. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like because you think Casanova, like oh, he's like a ladies' man or whatever, like disco ladies' man. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if Frankenstein fits in. Maybe that. Uh... But yeah, I don't think there is a connection. It's just an. Uh... They just, you know, they just threw a bunch of shit together. Um, do we like Jeffrey Rush in one of his many ham it up villain performances? Mm. 
You know, I've never forgotten the scene between him and Captain Amazing where he goes, you've always been my uh, arch nemesis, nemesis, what's the plural of nemesis? And he just goes, nemesis. I've always thought about how he says that. <laughs> so, yeah, he's great then, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfection. I mean, it's just, it's just nothing. He doesn't really have anything super funny to say. He's got a, a good look. Uh, coming a few years off of Oscar win. <laughs> Again, paycheck, 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 right? This is probably, this has got to be like his, hmm, I shouldn't make this clear. I was like, is this his first American movie? Hmm. Let's take a look. American or are we saying like non-British or non-Australian, I mean. Looks like it. Because I, I was going to say Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare in yeah. Love, okay. That feels pretty British. That's, that's pretty British. But it is an Australian, American right? movie, though. Or yeah, Australian. I was just wondering, like, was this his first like mainstream movie? And it wasn't, but it was pretty early. Yeah. So this is like if they made Mystery Men to uh, if they made Mystery Men in like 2015 or 16, and like Mark Rylance, because he, he, he <laughs> I feel like he just kind of broke out and came out of nowhere. <laughs> maybe that's maybe no. That's that's I can think of a more appropriate one. If like if like Christoph Waltz after. You know, this has been like his first movie after. Uh, yeah, like how he did um, the Green Hornet. Green Hornet, yeah. I mean, Mark Rylance did do Ready Player One, which is <laughs> comparable. <laughs> what a great career he's put together. <laughs> you guys got to see Bones and All just for Mark Rylance. What is that? That's that uh, Timothy Chalamet cannibal love movie from last year. Oh, I've totally and Mark Rylance just movie. plays some. He's got like a huge, like I think he's got like a giant ponytail, mm-hmm. and he has. I, I can't remember his voice though. He's just like, oh yeah, I was beating people all the time. <laughs> he's got like I can't remember his accent, but it's very unusual. Sure, and he's just a creepy cannibal man. Yeah, you said like, but eaters don't eat eaters. <laughs> eaters don't Something eat like that. eaters. Yeah, that's that's the big line. <laughs> I've not seen the movie. I just know no. You're that right. That is John the big line. It's in the trailer. A year ago. Um, love him in that movie. That's a great movie. Very close to making my top ten. It was just outside. It was outside looking in. I'm trying to think of if there's any. If I'm missing any uh, great. Because there's so many. I just like thinking about them. All the great scenes in this movie. Oh, we didn't talk about the, the superhero auditions. That was, as a kid, that was like my favorite part of the oh, movie. Oh, yeah. More cameos. Yeah, we got some cameos. We got we got Doug Jones as Pencilhead. And, and son. son of Pencilhead. Yeah, yeah, two generations of crime fighter. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, the Waffler is another big one because it's Dane Cook. A long Dan Cook. They let him go. I heard a joke. I heard something that somebody wrote on IMDb, and I'm like, this feels wrong. But I do like it if it's true. But I don't think it is. Somebody wrote that, like, Dan Cook was told he's going to play the Waffler, and then he showed up in a costume that he'd made himself. And they're like, no, not waffle like waffles. Like, you can't make a good decision. Like, you waffle on it. Like, you know, the expression, like, oh, you're a waffler. But that sounds... How could you've got? How could they have miscommunicated what he's playing that poor? I don't think so. But if that's true, why would Dane Cook show up to a movie that costs sixty-eight million dollars with his own costume? (laughs) I don't think it's true. I think someone's trolling, but it's a pretty funny troll. 
Because <laughs> he's even got uh, truth syrup, which I do like, uh, and it's uh, in a slow fat. Probably the funniest Dane Cook's ever been in his life. <laughs> and then there's a tutu guy, which honestly, not really sure why they didn't pick this guy. He's like pretty ripped, and he can dance. Yeah, he can dance. Is he is he like more stupid than what they already have? You have a guy with like no powers, and then like, well, you got well, you got a lot of guys with no powers. <laughs> At least this guy's in good shape. <laughs> yeah, I I don't see the difference between uh, him and like the shoveler, right? Like they have the same skill set. They're good at one physical thing. You know, it's worth bringing this scene up too because this is the opening of the All Star video where Steve Harwell like shows that he can like <laughs> shake a guy around. <laughs> I think there's potential there. But then I guess he doesn't join and just like goes and saves people on his own. And then the mystery men attack them in their limo. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, it's really making any sense. Yeah. Don't think about it. Uh, but no, I like that. I would love to know. Oh, there's also like kind of like a Wonder Woman type girl, and she fights with another girl. They have like a cat fight. I'd love to know if there are some ones that were cut too, because I just feel like you have so much fun with superhero auditions. Uh, so that's a good part. Yeah, it's so funny. You're right. It is a lot of back and forth of them like trying to sneak in and running into like the disco boys or whatever and then getting their butts kicked and then coming back and then having a bad montage. It's just the jokes, man. The jokes are just like Yeah. They there's also the Mr. Furious's relationship with the waitress. Uh, oh yeah. Which all uh, it's Claire Forlani, who I remember as uh, actress from the 90s and early 2000s, who sometimes I would think is Angelina Jolie, but then it's not, because no way Angelina Jolie would be in these movies. Um, I think we've talked about her before, right? Mm, she was in The Rock, in the maybe? Rock. Yeah, she is. Oh, is there, is there? Oh, there's absolutely potential for her to enter the Three Timers Club, guys. There's a big movie before Mystery Men. <laughs> if you're on her All Wikipedia, right. I think you'll instantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I know what you're talking. One about. that I've the reason I never pick it is because of its unruly running time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll watch it someday. I'll get to it. I'll just say it's Meet uh, Joe Black. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's 181 minutes. But we're gonna watch he's, it someday. Uh, he's Doctor Death or whatever the character was that died in Mystery Man. <laughs> yeah, Death Man. He's Death Man. Death Man. He's Death Man. There you go. Yeah. Um. It's. It's you know from back back in in a time when they thought every movie had to have a romance subplot. Yeah. Um before our current era where there's no romantic subplots. No, yeah, romance is dead. It's romance and sex do not exist. Yeah. Cuz that's not good for the world audience. Um so, I don't know. It's I think it's fine. I think it does really confound me that she's able to be kidnapped by uh Casanova Frankenstein between her little date 
with Mr. Furious and the final battle. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I don't know how he knew to kidnap her. The whole thing confuses me. Uh, yeah, I know it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> All right, good. Yeah, I, I, I definitely went into that this time being like, how are they going to get her? And it's like, they just get her. And how do they know that they <laughs> she's important to him? They just know, whatever. They just know. But hey, man. Michael Bay's in this. Okay, yeah. He Michael is. Bay. He's in the frat boy gang. <laughs> he gets a line. He's like, along with, uh, along with Ricky Rackman from yeah, Headbangers that's, Ball. That's bizarre. <laughs> Such a weird collection of people at that table. Oh uh, yeah, I'm just. And then, yeah. they're they're not in the later fight scene. They did not <laughs> stick around yeah, like CeeLo did. Just showed up. Although I feel like the frat boys just get like electrocuted on the stairs because they didn't have time for another fight scene. Yeah. I mean, they did enough. It's fun. I had a great time. It's too long, though. It's way too long. I forgot that it was two hours. It's too long. Yeah. Uh, story doesn't uh, make that much sense. But I think the jokes are mostly pretty good. I like how heightened it is. Go big or go home. Yeah, for sure. And apparently Absolutely. so big that the director's like, I'm going home. <laughs> um, I'm never doing this again. Back. I quit. <laughs> go big and go home. Yeah, I think the okay, so the things that bother me is how did Claire Forlani get kidnapped? And also I think we also talked about um the psychofraculator was like turned on the city for a while and I don't know what it did. Like it did enough that the people were like, they've saved the city, but what happened to the city? I don't know. Uh I don't know, man. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at Roger Ebert's review now. He it's a, it has a thumbs up, but it says two stars. I'm always I always forget he does by four stars, so I guess that's yeah. like his three borderline. stars. Yeah. It's like three half. It's, that's his two and a half, yeah. I feel like his first sentence really is just, it sums it up. Mystery men has moments of brilliance waving their arms to attract attention in a sea of dreck. i'll read the rest of this paragraph it's pretty good it's long shapeless undisciplined mess and every once in a while it generates a big laugh since many of the laughs seem total um seems totally in the character of the actors who get them they play like ad-libs as if we're hearing asides to the audience okay yeah i think you got it i think it's a really fair review yeah i actually watched the review he did on at the movies oh like you can watch that like online yeah, but this was uh, this was in that like in between period between Gene Siskel dying and Richard Roper being hired. So I think Wesley Morris was okay. the film critic sitting in. He liked it more than Ebert did. It seemed like he was pretty into it. I wonder if this is a movie that really only kids who saw it then really remember and like. I mean, I kind of liked it. I had a okay, good I guess time. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I enjoyed it. A decent review. Sure, there are definitely worse comedies. From it is like period. I feel like it's it's treated like it's like horrible. 
Like it's no. fucking master of disguise or something. Maybe not that level, but like, and it seems like everyone who worked on it is kind of, eh, I don't know. That was kind of a weird movie. <laughs> I feel like it deserves a little more of a cult following. But I don't yeah. think it's ever coming. I feel like that's a big part of this podcast is movies that like, this could have a following, but it won't and probably never will. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, obviously you... it got me and Sean to go see it in theaters. So they're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No regrets at the time. No regrets now. I'm, I'm quite I saw Iron Giant eventually. <laughs> what else did you have better to do that day? In 1990, August of 1999. I guess you had to enjoy your sweet freedom before school started up again. Like every good movie ever came out in 1999, Colin. There's a dozen better things to see, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, but you weren't mature enough to appreciate them. What are you, my mom? (laughs) (laughs) I guess, in some ways, but not really. Um, as any good mother would ask, were there any good goofs in this movie, Sean? Um, one I picked up from the trivia section that I just liked so much that I wanted to share. Um, which, it, it's like sort of a goof, though. The scene where the spleen accidentally ignites a blast of flatulence by standing by a barrel with a fire in it was a happy accident. Whoa. Apparently, a crew member had tossed a plastic lighter in the barrel. It happened to explode, a small explosion, but an explosion nonetheless, while filming Paul Rubens. The reaction that followed were created after the fact, capitalizing on the moment caught in film. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, man. Isn't that weird? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> My Casanova prank is that. Yeah, yes. He's pretty much pretty oh. much the same thing. <laughs> Speaking of Casanova Frankenstein, guys, Uh-oh. he's an evil doer. And this is, <laughs> yeah, is. John's Rose Gallery. God, I love being a bad guy. Like I said, Casanova Frankenstein, evil doer. He doesn't have a super long villains wiki page, but let's get into it, guys. His full name, Casanova Frankenstein. I guess that's not even an alias. That's just his name. Well, he does have aliases, Casanova and Dr. Frankenstein. (laughs) I guess I meant like that's not his, yeah, that's just his real name, I guess. Origin mystery men, of course. Occupation, scientist and supervillain. He did build the psychofraculator to do what? I'm not sure. Maybe we'll find out when I'm done with this villain's wiki. Power slash skills. Genius level intellect. Hand-to-hand combat. Inventor of various lethal creations. More like pinky to pinky. That's right. I like this inventor of various lethal creations because there is that scene where Captain Amazing, you know, enters his mansion. And he's like, oh, you got, you know, a trap there and you got a weapon there and a weapon there. Like, he knows all his tricks. I thought that was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, hobby, romancing Dr. Annabelle Leak, a.k.a. Anal Leak. I concluded the a.k.a. <laughs> I should edit this. Now that I have the ability to edit Villain's Wiki, I should I should get in there. Uh, goals, destroy Champion City with the Psychofraculator failed. I guess that's it. Okay. Crimes, mass murder, kidnapping, attempted populicide. 
We learn about a lot of sides on this podcast. On the side, <laughs> genocide. So this is just, I assume, killing a general population. Like, I'm going to kill everyone in just this particular place. Uh, popular side. Fun. Uh, terrorism and torture. Guys, type of villain. It's two words. Can you guess what kind of villain Casanova Frankenstein is? Disco terrorist. Um. God, there. This guy's such a mastermind. <laughs> um. Um, uh, uh, um, I want to go with mastermind. I'm going to go with, uh, inventive mastermind. Sean, you're on the right track. He is a sadistic mastermind. (laughs) (laughs) Your instincts were right. He was, he is a mastermind. Uh, who would have could have ever? I mean, any that. villain who like who like gathers like all the gangs and he's like, join me as I <laughs> destroy the city. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be a mastermind. Or, or if he has any plan to like destroy, yeah, just the world or a large city. I mean, you're totally right. If this is the first villains wiki, involved. if this is the first villains wiki we'd ever done, I'm sure you guys both would have guessed mastermind. But the thing yeah. is, there are so many times. <laughs> Where it seems like someone should be a mastermind, but just, then they're just not. Gotten our heart broken by mastermind so many times. Like, <laughs> is is Megamind even considered a mastermind? <laughs> or is he a Megamind? Uh, Megamind is not the villain, though. You're right. That's why he's included <laughs> as a tragic supervillain. Also, he has the fucking longest villains wiki I've ever seen. Whoa. So long that there's like the a villain. little gray bar that you have to drag to get to the bottom of the box that has all like the information. <laughs> The villain of Megamind is Jonah Hill. Cause you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry, I haven't it. seen it. I only saw the trailer, so I don't know. <laughs> but I know you're right. And I know it's your pick, too. Ooh. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, I've already seen Megamind. Yeah, yeah, your pick is Megamind. <laughs> Shit, I don't want to watch Megamind. Not now. Yeah, I'd give it a shot. We can watch it when, when Mega Man uh, passes. Megamind. Mega Man. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna make a, make a joke that we can watch it. We can watch it with Mega Mind passes away. <laughs> we can watch it with Mega Mind and Mega Man pass away. It's possible. Remember, Mister Peanut died. I guess Mega so Man. So if they ever canonically die. kill, it has to be Mega Mind and Mega Man, though. They kill. Both they of kill them. each other. They kill each other. If that ever happens, then we'll do Megamind. I don't think that's going to happen. That's a very specific thing to happen. Odds seem pretty low, but I'm just, I want that out there. <laughs> it's on the record. Chance. Yeah, a slight chance, exactly. Sean, where's that Mega Man movie? When we were in elementary school, you told me they're making a Mega Man movie. <laughs> I mean, they've made a bunch of And I said, how are they going to do the hand thing? And you're like, he's just going to put his hand in his sleeve. (laughs) Yeah. Which is accurate. That is what they would have done if they did a live action one. (laughs) Um, Guys, uh, earlier this this year, 2023, um, I rewatched The Venture Brothers ahead of their... uh, 
movie direct-to-video finale, which came out um, a little more than a month ago, late July. And in watching uh, The Venture Brothers, I took note of some of the pop culture references they make that I know nothing about. Um, And there's one movie that they talk about affectionately on The Venture Brothers that is having a uh, 40th birthday this year. It actually already had it. It came out in May of 1983. Um, and then it was spin off into a TV series in 1984. And if you know what it is from those clues, I'm really impressed. I don't. Um, it's Blue Thunder mm. starring Roy Scheider and Daniel Stern. Uh, I'm not even sure if they are teaming up against an evil helicopter or if they are <laughs> In control of a heroic helicopter. I do know that Blue Thunder is the name of a helicopter. That's, uh, um, I think, a police. It's like a super police helicopter. And I I don't know if it's going to be a good one, a good helicopter or a bad helicopter. But I look forward to finding out with you guys. I remember we, we watch. Yeah, that's great. I remember we watched the trailer once, Sean. Do you remember this? I don't. Because it's the same director of War Games, so we watched War Games, and then afterwards we we're like, "What? What's what? What did John Badham do around the same time?" And one of them yeah. was Blue Thunder, so we watched the trailer, and it seems like it's about an evil helicopter. Okay, so it's but then there's that helicopter. show where it's like, is the helicopter now their friend, and like Dana Carvey's in it? <laughs> if you look at the Blue Thunder TV show Wikipedia page, it's like a it's like the DVD cover, and Dana Carvey's like second build on this show. Wow, <laughs> this short lived helicopter show, eleven episodes. Wow, really short lived. Also, I've, I I I like you know sometimes like when you've clicked on something on Wikipedia and it's purple, you're like, oh, I've clicked on this recently. I was like, why have I clicked on Blue <laughs> Thunder recently? Because written by uh, Dan O'Bannon. Who's credited for you know writing Alien? But I was looking him up because he wrote Return of the Living Dead. So uh, yeah, a Dan nice. O'Bannon yeah. collab. That's cool. And of course, John Badham directed War Games, like John said, and Short Circuit, and most importantly, the other movie named the Stake other Out. movie named Stakeout. The movie that I for some about. reason didn't choose to Google when I called our movie Stakeout. <laughs> <laughs> I must have known it existed. I was just like, fuck it. Stakeout's too good of a name for our thing. Yeah. But, like, this other movie. Oh, my God. It's set in Seattle, too. Oh, fuck. It's kind of got the same font on the poster. (laughs) It's got. Well, I I always thought the guy that did our poster art, which I think he did a fantastic job. Shout out to Status Art Designs. Mm -hmm. It's also like, he. I feel like he just kind of ripped off the Pulp Fiction font. But whatever. I mean, it looks great. (laughs) Even though I look like Paul Walker and Colin looks like a North Korean soldier. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a great poster check out stakeout uh you can watch it on all the illegal sites <laughs> like you know anytime i'm like on a weird site i always search it and it's always there so you can watch it <laughs> if you really want to but this original uh stakeout had a, a sequel so it must have been successful it called another stakeout <laughs> uh it has a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I don't think people much cared for the second one. We should do a double feature at some point. We could do Stakeout and Stakeout. Yeah. Oh my god. So the first Stakeout, Richard Dreyfus and Emilio Estevez, yeah. 
Another stakeout adds a third character to the poster, and that character is Rosie O'Donnell. Ugh. That's we have, what a great time this double feature you've described sounds like. Oh my god, it's like when they added. We got to do it. Was Rosie the no? Who was no? That was who was the extra baby in? Remember that? What? Are, look who's talking to? What, who who played the bait? You guys know what I'm saying? Look who's talking now. <laughs> I, I don't movies, know. Movies, movies we've all seen in dis- we all probably saw no, them in film school. Really? No. <laughs> um. Because that was the thing with Look Who's Talking is like, that's a baby, he's Bruce Willis, but no one can hear him but the audience. Mm-hmm. And then they made another one where they added a girl, too. But it's like, I can't, oh, is this the same baby? How long is this baby a baby? <laughs> All right, just give me a minute. I know we got to end this, but I got to look up Look Who's Talking, too. This was John Travolta and his dark years. I do like that on the poster for another stakeout, the font looks even more similar to the font on our stakeout. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it, it was Roseanne. It wasn't Rosie. I got okay. my roses confused. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, no, you're right. Do you think the guy who did our poster just, like, <laughs> Googled these movies? <laughs> What's a good font for a movie called Stakeout? Oh, this movie called Stakeout. What was I thinking, man? <laughs> But I'm excited to watch Blue Thunder. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, sounds fun. Uh, yeah. Tune in next time to hear us talk about Blue Thunder. You can check out our past podcasts uh, wherever you get your podcasts or at mildlypleased.com. Um, it's been a while since we've recorded one of these, but we're hopefully going to get back in the swing of things. Uh, probably we'll have Shocktober coming up pretty soon. Uh, you know, we'll be doing our thing. That's the way we like it. And we'll never get bored. Go for the Go for the Go for the Go for the